Are you ready to become a VIP? Do you have a cell phone that you can text on? Then consider this an exclusive invitation. As a VIP, you will receive special secret offers via text. These items are usually free and they are always must-have craft supplies from beloved brands. Send us a text and become a VIP at scrapbook.com. Hello, welcome to the Life Handmade Podcast with Scrapbook.com. This is the show for paper crafters, and I'm your host today, Jessica Harrington. In this episode of Life Handmade, we sit down to chat remotely with the lovely Alex Evian, the woman behind AVE Styles, a successful and well-known lifestyle blog. I'm going to introduce uh, Alex here for a moment. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yes. Yes. And we're both in Arizona, so it's nice. Woohoo. Yeah. Okay. So you were born in LA, but grew up in Wisconsin and Texas, currently live next door to us in Chandler for the past 17 years. Alex Evian is a stylist turned lifestyle blogger and Pinterest influencer with, get this, over 1 million Pinterest followers, people, and a devoted and large Instagram base. She started AVE Styles in 2010 and shares the beauty of life and motherhood, style, home, all of those things. Alex has been featured in InStyle, Glamour Magazine, and Huffington Post and has styled for top companies like Coca-Cola, Neiman Marcus, and Hay Needle. Welcome again. Yay. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Yes. How is that to hear your life just like synchronous, you know, just like succinctly just in a paragraph? What does that feel like? Well, I know it's not your whole life, but your professional life. Yeah. You know what? It feels good. I'm not so great at stopping and smelling the roses and patting myself on the back. I always like, I need to do better. What's next? And so hearing that back, I'm like, wow, Alex, you did a good job. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, You you, you you. glowed up. It's so nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to start with a typical question we ask almost all of our guests. What was your very first uh, crafting experience or like memory crafting, using your hands, feeling crafty, that type of thing? Yeah, I was thinking about this question um, a bit. And uh, I think that my first memory was, you know, those little pieces of tissue paper that you would... um, put onto like a glass or something to make it look like stained glass. Yes. I remember doing that in preschool. And then one of the coolest early crafting experiences that I had was with my mom and American Girl Dolls uh, started in Wisconsin. I used to live there and they would have locals test out some of the crafts that they were going to publish in their books with each doll. And we got to test out a craft book for Molly Oh, which one was she? The pre- uh, the Oregon Trail one? What was Molly? No, she had glasses and she was born in the 50s. Oh, the 50s. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Like the suburban 50s. I yes. remember. I loved the American Girl book. Yes. And I did a button collage with my mom. Oh, my goodness. That is yeah. awesome. So it also had a family memory. It was you and your mom like working on things together. 
Yes, my mom is brilliant when it comes to anything crafty. She makes jewelry now. She's a welder. She's oh my goodness. She sews. Just it's. I mean, as many of your listeners listening uh, right now probably have had similar experiences of that crafting gene just being passed down through experiences. Yeah. Sounds like she was always using her hands and being creative and sounds to this day still is. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, And so where do you think you got, because a lot of where you, where you are in this world is like the fashion, where, where did fashion come in? Cause it is creativity. Where do you think the fashion sense came from? You know, when we moved, growing up in Wisconsin, the fashion was not a thing. And I moved when I was about 11 or 12 years old to Houston. And I, it was, my mom took me to Neiman Marcus, actually. I had never been in a store like that. And I remember walking in and just like smelling the perfume and like the leather handbags and just like getting this smell and like, whoa, what's this? And just seeing the beautiful displays and I started just touching fabric differently and it's is the first time I had like the retail experience is actually I think what piqued my interest Interesting. and then um yeah it's the first time I ever fell in love with a handbag and I thought I like this why do I like this right. why do I feel like I have to have this and it was a Kate Spade giraffe print handbag with red interior like and red how lining young were you I was 12. Oh, no, but you, oh, wow. It yeah, struck you hard. It struck me hard. I thought I gotta have this. No girl should have this. <laughs> no, well, I'm not going to judge, but like, I didn't need to have that. Your 12 year old self did yeah, not no. need that. No. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, yeah. I think like that started, that was the first time where I thought, wow, there's a whole industry Yes. That is devoted to accessories and style. And then I started getting into that. And my mom, of course, was already into that and made her own clothes. And I thought, oh, wow. I wonder if I could ever design or make clothes that I want to wear. Mm-hmm. So I started sketching. But I realized after wanting to go to FITM and and all that, I realized I'm not so much the detail-oriented person. That's why I sometimes craft. And I don't, certain crafts and I don't go well together. Yes. I am a big picture person. And so for me, that's where styling was really my favorite part of the fashion process was taking things that people had made and putting them together in a way that told a story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's so funny that you mentioned FITM. That's that that's my alma mater. That's where I graduated, not with fashion design. But I remember when they talked to everyone, they said a lot of people come for fashion, not realizing what they're getting into. And I mm-hmm. had I had roommates that went for fashion. And they didn't realize really what they were getting into, and you know they ended up quitting. And it do, it takes a very different person that can go that way and design design fashion it's not just about you know the drawings that like you said and it's a lot Mm -hmm. of sewing and needles there was like little pins and needles all over the carpet everywhere (laughs) yeah pattern making and learning how to and then learning how like is your pattern too expensive to produce and all this exactly ah this isn't for me (laughs) crazy like business side too Yeah. yeah and so what did you end up doing like for schooling so 
I went and I got a business and communications degree from ASU. Okay. And I graduated and ended up in architect doing PR and architecture. So oh. still creative. And I thought, I, I but I hated the job. I was two years in and I got so depressed and I thought, Go back. Is this going to be? Yeah. yeah, Is this going to be my life? Is this is this what I'm going to do? It's just one of those freak out moments you have. I think that in your, you know, when you first graduate college and start your life, and I, I remember um, thinking, I I just got to figure out how to do style some way. I have to go back to my passion, and so I started a blog because. It was when the economy tanked and nobody had any jobs and uh, there was no way I was going to get into fashion in Phoenix. It's not like it's Phoenix. <laughs> it's not the a fashion capital of the world, no. not necessarily. No, no. So I started a blog instead and I, I wrote about what I loved in the fashion industry in my own opinion and wrote it for an audience of one at the time. And that was, you know, those, those, those little fruitful years that if you started a blog then... It was, you know, that golden time to start that blog, you know, so you were at the right place at the right time. I was, I also was, I, I didn't really want, as bloggers had started to become really a thing and I knew I didn't really want to build like a brand be like one day have a TV show. Like that was never my aim. I really wanted to start a styling company. And so I actually launched a website with a blog on it, but really a brand, a styling brand. And I just dubbed myself a stylist because there is no degree for styling. I love it. And I just said, that's what I did. And most of my friends were photographers because they were picking up cameras at the time. And their clients were showing up a hot mess and they, they needed some help. And I built my service into their packages. I love that you were able to work with your friends too. Okay. So like, what do you hear most about whether from your friends or people in the industry or your clients, how do they describe like your style or your trend or the tone um, of like what you do? Well, when I first started my business, you know, I think stylists, when we look at it through the lens of social media and Instagram, we look for somebody's personal style and then we think, oh, that makes them a good stylist because they have good personal style. I think what truly makes a good stylist is not someone projecting their personal taste on somebody. It's really listening to their client and and what style they're wanting to achieve. So mm. for me, it wasn't trying to brand myself a certain way by aesthetic. It was to uh, show my range. Okay. But when social media picked up for me, specifically Pinterest, that's when I had to start thinking about my personal brand and messaging and style. And I realized if I was going to, if this was going to happen for me, if I was actually going to seize the day or seize the moment, I was going to have to establish a style, but I really didn't come into my own style until for another five years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So what, okay. How would you describe your, your own style today, even though it, it was fairly recently, how would you describe your brand and your style? What it makes you different than another company or another stylist? Yeah. My style now is, um, comfortable and, calming and I really seek for seek to 
um, establish a feeling with people that when you walk into my home or when you see what I wear, it's, it's very accessible and it's very Mm -hmm. comforting and it feels easy. So to me, I realized that style was very emotional along the way as I matured as a stylist and as a blogger and, and what I was gravitating towards. And for me, communicating what I wanted to ultimately feel every day um, and experience every day. And from that, that's really peace is the ultimate feeling for me. Mm-hmm. I want to feel peaceful in what I'm wearing, where I'm going, where I'm sitting. And so I design every space or, and, and put clothes on my body that reflect that. So a lot of times it's natural colors, like a neutral mm-hmm. palette, earth tones, things that feel very calming. And I'm sure that that resonates with a large audience. And so even though they might not realize that that's what they're wanting or needing, that that seems to make sense, right? Yes. And I I think that when I look at other stylists or because I got into the home space soon after, mm-hmm. when I look at people and how they decorate for their clients, a lot of times clients focus on trends. Oh, I really like that. Or I looked at this on Pinterest and I, I really yes. like that. But it's getting to, well, why? Why do you really like that? And what are you going to be truly happy with Mm -hmm. over the long haul? And that's identifying, for me, I feel like it's helping people identify the feeling or experience that they want to have consistently. Right. And that's service. I mean, what you're doing is a great service. It's it's customer service at its core and figuring out why and why and what a person is wanting. So it sounds like you just like, like settled into that. How did that settling happen? When and how did that happen for you? It's uh, because it's an emotional experience that how I I came to that place. It was actually through a lot of chaos in my life. Mm. I, you know, started this styling company became this huge Pinterest influencer in 2011, started styling for brands, wearing the latest and getting shipments of the latest going from party to party and trying to Mm. be this girl that fits in with bloggers, but I've never really identified with quote unquote, the popular girl. But here I was as a quote unquote, popular girl. Interesting. I was always nerdy, like very studious and, um, in my own world. And, uh, I think that I lost myself in that. And I was, I got married when I was 22 years old and I had my daughter when I was 28. And when I look back at my life, my life really was just in support of getting my husband to where he was, you know, helping him and and raising a family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I Mm -hmm. think along the way, I didn't really pay attention to myself and what I wanted to do or be. And then um, we ended up going through a divorce due to infidelity. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was really painful. And um, my life came crashing down. I had built this business and it was kind of a business based on trends and just being good at styling things and people Mm -hmm. and creating content for Target or whatever, you know, so people knew my name for that. But then I realized I, they didn't really know me. They didn't know my heart. I didn't know me. And mm. here I was, I lost my, I had to go back to a traditional job because I needed consistency. I didn't have my kids full time. So now I was like 
a mom sometimes and then not a mom. And then I was single and Oh, wow. I, I it was just, you, you know, something like that. You go through this huge life stage and I know this is really deep and serious, but when you go through such a big period of introspection mm. and self-development, which is what I needed to do to get myself through that time, I think you really hone in on who you are and what you want to do in this space. And so for me, I realized I'm a feeler. I mm. Everything that I am is emotional and is feelings-based. And I, to some people, that's too much. I don't really care. Like it, I'm going to use that as a superpower and I'm going to take this space of aesthetic and trends and, and, and those are genuine things that I do love, but I'm going to marry them to the things that are actually going on inside my soul. Okay. And I'm going to process that out loud with blog posts and I'm going to make style authentic to what it is. And it's like, the reason why I want easy, comfortable style is because everything in my life feels really hard. Mm-hmm. The reason why I want effortless makeup and hair is because I don't have time because I'm a single parent. The reason why I want comfortable textures is because my home is now a sacred space for me to cry and grieve. Mm-hmm. And so I realized there was a bigger why to everything that I was doing aesthetically. And then I just started communicating that. And I think for a lot of my community, light bulbs started going off. And it was no longer for anyone that follows me they're deep souls. They mm-hmm. like want that connection and they want deeper meaning behind things. Like attracts like, yeah. So you probably deepened that bond with maybe mm-hmm. your followers and or mm-hmm. attracted new ones that were needing that, that meaning, that, that comfort. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. So uh, how would you describe in a word or phrase, a few words, your style and your approach on creativity before this um, chaos happened in your life? And then what are a few words or or a phrase that you would describe it now? Hmm. Think back to that early time. I think my approach to creativity was to just come up with something new that no one had ever seen before to be someone that's good at new ideas. Okay. And now that's not a wrong thing. And I think that's good. But I think I've I've come to realize like everything is a derivative of something else. Yes. (laughs) So now my approach to creativity is to, is to really strive to express my true self in everything that I do. If you don't like it, that's okay. I don't, I don't mind. This isn't for you. It's to serve me. And that's where I can go to sleep at night, knowing that I'm not selling, selling out every time. Mm -hmm. It's an expression of of mm -hmm. who you are and your emotions and where Mm -hmm. you've been and maybe what you've learned. That's very Mm -hmm. interesting that before it was like a grabbing, if you will, Mm. uh, or a wanting. Mm-hmm. And now the way you describe it is, 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 is outward, not grabbing. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's releasing almost. That's really it beautiful. Is, it is really beautiful. It's, it's freedom. It yeah, really is. It truly is. And, you know, it's, it's really, 
it's hard because sometimes someone would hear that and think, I, I wish you wouldn't have had to go through that or have that heartbreak for this. But like, how do you view that? When I try to picture life, my life not going through any hard thing, I realize I would miss out on a lot of learning experiences and the fruit of overcoming things. You know, I there are so many quotes on Instagram or Pinterest about seeds needing to break apart before they, you know, a flower blooms. And there is something to the refining process. You know, we refine gold and to get the purest form. It's it's really where you are asked to look at who you are and why you do what you do. It's it's forces you to think about the hard things in life and and the hard questions and it does build character and it and it also produces hope. It produces this idea of once you go through something hard and you come out the other side, you know the next times you're going to go through something hard you'll be okay. And I think a lot of times we forget, like there are hard things that happen to us that have not, that we have no control over. Mm -hmm. There are things that just happen to us. And then there are things that we do to ourselves due to poor choices. So it's inevitable that we will go through hard things. And for those that haven't yet, it's just a yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I like that you describe it as as it gives you hope. Like yeah. you, normally that wouldn't be a go-to, but it's a go-to if someone has gone through things like this and come out better. It, it will allow you to have hope for anything else that's inevitably coming, you know, in one's life. So there's this quote that I heard the other day that I really liked and it was, it said, it's not the things that you go through that determine where you end up. It's who you listen to. And I thought that was very profound because there are also people that go through hard things that don't come out the other side with this feeling of hope. And so I think there is also a portion to that of, well, who are you listening to through your trials? And, and are you listening to your gut and, and, and yourself? Or are you going to continue listening to everybody else? You know, so I think there's like a deeper there's more to it than just going through something hard and coming on the other side. It's kind of like how you came out. Exactly. It's true. It's true. That's awesome. Well, the other thing I wanted to touch on something that um, I know that as you talked about, your mom was creative and I, I know that you do arts and crafts sometimes with your children. So it sounds like it's just like in the family genes. I want to know what is the most meaningful handmade gift that you consider a handmade gift that you've received or that you have that someone gave to you? Oh, that's such a good question. I think um, there are so many things that my kids make me that I I, I think many listeners will probably <laughs> say that they have tons of storage bins in their garages or closets. <laughs> I keep as much as I can because everything they make me is so special. Um, there are two things that are are pretty significant to me. Um, I would group one into all Christmas ornaments. Okay. Handmade Christmas ornaments. Uh, handmade okay. Christmas ornaments. I There's just something so special when we're the me, Noel and Levi, we're decorating the tree and we're pulling out these yes. these 
ornaments that they make and then they tell me the story of remember when and it just becomes this joyous time of reminiscing Mm -hmm. and decorating a tree with you know toilet paper rolls yes yes (laughs) with angel wings on them all sorts of things and it's just it's it's this tree that stays up for an entire month almost that is just embodies just years of of joy and being a family I I I love that time of year and I know many people out there probably too too and then the other uh, most precious handmade thing would be and it's it's in it's hanging up in my kitchen actually it's a portrait it's a portrait of my family and my daughter drew it when she was uh four or five mm-hmm. and it's you know when kids start drawing people it's like a, a head yes. and then two legs no body just yes. two legs and like arms yeah and it was our, the first time she drew a family portrait after my divorce of just us oh wow and at first I remember it being really sad and so it set it was like on cardstock and I just kind of put it under a pile and the other or months ago, I found it, and three years after being divorced and uh-huh. being the three amigos and oh. learning how to enjoy motherhood as a single parent, I put it in a frame, and it reminds me every day that family can look so many different ways. It, it doesn't can. have to look one way, and it can feel just as special. So it's it's a reminder to me that. My family's still complete, even though there are parts that have always felt broken. It's still, this is still my family. So I love it. I love that you framed it and it Mm -hmm. can be a celebration now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there's viewers at home that want to see it. So if you're so inclined, if you could snap a photo, we can share it in the show notes below because I'm sure that they want to see this, um, three amigos photo yes I would love to I'll do that yes please do well we have just loved visiting with you it's been short but sweet and I really loved getting to know more of who you are as a person and many people might know your name or follow you on Pinterest but many of our followers this is their first introduction to you and I hope that they feel the same way as I do I feel like I I know you and connect and I too like that like peace feeling in my home and in my clothes so thank you for for speaking in the way that I think so many women and men uh, resonate with you're welcome thank you for listening and hearing my story and caring to hear my story. I love, I love sharing because I I really hope that it encourages someone else. Yes. Well, thank you again, Alex. Well, we really appreciated having Alex on and sharing so many details and uh, being so vulnerable with us today on the Life Handmade podcast. We hope that her story resonated with you, maybe inspired you just as it has inspired us. You can find links to all the items that we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes and go to www.scrapbook.com forward slash podcast for more info as well. Remember, scrapbook.com carries over 40,000 unique items and is the number one online store for paper crafting. When you shop at scrapbook.com, you enjoy award-winning customer service, great prices, and a huge selection of products and super fast shipping. You could also benefit from nearly 200,000 real, 100% real product reviews from crafters at home just like you. 
You'll find endless inspiration and meaningful connection in the scrapbook.com forums, the gallery, and those online classes are free as well. So check those out. Be sure to subscribe to the Life Handmade podcast in your favorite app and enjoy all the other episodes that you may have missed there as well. And please, please, please leave a review for this podcast because it truly does help other crafters to find it easier. Thank you so much. Happiness is Life Handmade. I drive doodles of eccentric faces. Yeah.